The Red Bull rant is a free-flowing conversation about soccer that may include adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the official podcast of onceametro.com, the Red Bull Rant. I'm Jason Ipico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode one, two, three, Dos ADC. You know, it's I, I am concerned because I am giddy over the fact that the Red Bulls won. Because it just, I know, I know, I know. It's called the kibosh. Yes, we got to kibosh this real quick. All right, so let's just get right into talking about this victory. Uh, we're actually going to start with some listener mail from all the way across the pond, member of the Irish, Scottish, English. You know, remember those guys? We had them on uh, some point during the season, the craziness of that phone call. Um, Clayton John writes us in, and, and to do this justice, Truman, you're going to read it for us. Well, lads, and it click. Uh, listen, I'm already speaking Scottish. I can't help myself. All right, anyway, let's... Uh, sorry, I'm just I just can't do it. Here we go. All right. Well, lads, and a great, great win last night from the boys. Bought a few chances. We absolutely played the scum off the park. Of course we did. I rigged this up a VPN. I don't know what that is. So Julian, Dick Sachs, as you all know, and I were able to watch live on the Major League Soccer website. Major, actually, Major League Soccer Soccer website. BWP is a masterclass. But what about Sam and Dax? DC had a horrible time trying to control Lloyd on the right. And how about Dax's form? Our entire transition from defense to offense goes through him, and his passing has been superb as of late. On a sad note, I only just heard about the closing of El Pastor. They were always great to us when I was back in America, and it's sad to see the place go. Do any of you have the full story of what happened? Cheers from the lads in the ISE. P.S. If you, if you need some guest hosts since Pat decided not to show up in your last program, let us know. Hail, hail, Clayton. And I was going to defend you Irish people over his horrible accent. How dare you? <laughs> I can do so a better a VPN, London by the way. So a VPN, by the way, Truman, it, it, it's some technical wizardry that allowed him to watch the game. <laughs> mm. I call it illegal stream. Uh, I didn't need an illegal and, and, stream because you know, I was at the game. Damn it, so. And I technically, legally watched after the 48-hour blackout. Mm. But you, you know what? I, I, I like the fact that he called it the Major League Soccer Soccer website since the actual uh, address in... Or the, sorry, the actual URL is MLSsoccer.com. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing ever. It's really dumb. Because we couldn't, like, pay off the the multiple listing service for MLS.com? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you think a, a bunch of realtors would, like, understand the price of a, do- of a web domain and be, and be willing to give it up for that price? But anyway, <laughs> that's, just, that's just taking us off track. Let's get back to the game. Um, I, I agree with pretty much everything... That Clayton wrote. I mean, right. Phillips scores his thirtieth goal combined between the regular season and playoffs, and I believe he's now three away from the single season record for that. So he may not be the single season regular season. Say that four times fast. 
<coughs> the single single season regular season uh, winner, but he may have the combined season title if the Rebels can make a deep run. Um, and then Peggy Luandula and Terry Henry just showing us what two French guys that know, know each other can do. And it's just uh, a 2 nothing win at home. I, I wish there were more people in the stands, but I'll take, given the short notice, I will take it, especially since all those DC fans got to ride the bus back to RFK. Nice and, uh, nice and sad. <laughs> so, for our like and dislike, Pat, you're up first. What did you dislike about this one? Uh, how can you not like anything other than Thierry Henry's masterstroke? I mean, come on, that guy uh, was just off the hook. I mean, like, I, I can't believe I still read some things like, oh, it's proof that he cares. Like, I didn't realize he wasn't showing proof that he cared for the last couple of years, but whatever. Uh, you know, he both passes that, uh, you know, led to the goals were just absolutely tremendous. Um, if he continues to play like that, and it is a bit of a daunting task going down to RFK, um, if he continues to do that, then I, I don't see any reason why anybody should be pessimistic uh, going into the next game. So, uh, yeah, hats off to Jerry Henry. I like how we just completely skipped the dislike is what, what I was actually asking you about. So did you actually... <laughs> <laughs> so did you I'm actually... High, anything baby. Game? I'm on a high. All right, fair enough. So Truman, you're up. Uh, do you want to skip your dislike or do you want to actually... Do you have something you dislike about the game? No, I'll, I'll bring up a dislike... Uh, because Clayton asked and I'm going to answer. Uh, the only dislike I can say is El Pastor closing. Uh, not to give too many details, Clayton, but uh, what ended up happening was the owner was just kind of forced to sell. It's not because the business was doing poorly. It was doing quite well. Um, just kind of a thing he had to do, he didn't want to do. Really, really super sucks, um, but we had a great last night there. I'm going to try to post some pictures up of uh, what we did to the wall at the end of the night, but uh, that's really the only, only bad part of the evening was just, you know, El Pastor's uh, last day. I blame Ross Baraka. He's a much worse mayor than Cory Booker. <laughs> um, my dislike, <clears throat> and the only reason I'm going to mention this is because it's the playoffs. Uh, Grant, I probably mentioned this before, but because of the playoffs, this is a really, especially annoying for me, why the fuck do people get blacked out of games for the playoffs? You want to put the game on Univision? <clears throat> fine. Okay. They're a national TV provider, according to you. That's fine. You make the decision to show the game on English TV? Okay, great. I can get on board with this. But I don't get Univision. And where I live, I don't get CSN Mid-Atlantic. So I am completely fucked over in trying to watch this game live. Unless I wanted to go an illegal route. Now, you're so, capable so hold on, so, something. <clears throat> okay. So this... Oh, you know, yeah. So let me explain this. So... Do not interrupt Jason's rant. Never. <laughs> well, no, no. I was gonna go. I was gonna like finish there. So actually, he prompted me to continue. So there you go. Um, so I have one cable provider in my town. I can go direct TV if I'm willing to pay out the ass for, which I, I'm not. The cable provider does not have a contract with Univision or Unimas. Does not have a contract with CSN Mid Atlantic, which is the DC United uh, TV provider. MLS Live was blacked out because I am technically within the CSN Atlantic region. And I actually looked into it. DirecTV would carry that station for my area. So I had no options day of because I can't get DirecTV that quickly. And MLS Live and MajorLeagueSoccer.com would not let me watch because of the blackout. 
So therefore, fuck you MLS, fuck you DC United, fuck you CSN, fuck you Univision, fuck you Atlantic Broadband for not allowing me to watch this game. He's an angry Roblo. He is. Now, now let me <laughs> let me ask you this: Does your cable provider carry the MLS package on the on the TV? As far as I know, they do not. Okay, because if your cable provider provided the MLS package, you could have watched the game for free on cable, uh, which is how I watched the New England Columbus game. Even though I, we don't subscribe to MLS, they still were showing the playoff games so uh, free. So just saying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my cable provider doesn't have that. Well, and that's why I'm willing to drop the cable because what the fuck? Why the fuck am I paying for cable when I can't watch the sports I want live? It doesn't make sense. Nope. Time to move. Time to just blow everything up, figuratively. <laughs> don't, I don't need the NSA on me for that comment. <laughs> um, it's a podcast. <laughs> Who's listening? <laughs> blow everything up. Uh, all right. So since true, uh, sorry, since Pat already gave his like Truman, what did you like about this one? I mean, come on. Where, where do we start? I mean, I, I, I am. I, I do want to mes- mention, uh, and we're going to mention it again in our interview segment. Uh, Chris Corb looking at the linesman, wondering why Peggy Leandula is uh, not offside when he was the one keeping him onside. I just love stuff like that. I, I love seeing utter failure. Uh, other things to like, uh, you know, I wish we just have a, a early arriving crowd, which we didn't, but the crowd did get full later on. I love the South Ward, uh, definitely cranked up, which is super freaking awesome. Uh, Thierry Henry, like Pat said, is just unbelievable. I don't know. There's there's so much to like in this game, but uh, yeah, I just love that Louis Dula goal. I love him being onside. That was just phenomenal. How about... Uh, this is this is my like, because I, I could like pretty much anything on the field for the Red Bulls. I'm going to like the Steve Cangelosi was calling this game for MSG. Because usually, around September or beginning of October, he's gone doing Devils games. So I was really happy to see that they brought him back for a playoff game. It was nice. Nice, nice little, nice little bone to throw to Red Bulls fans after I don't, I don't know after you know not showing our game live in the run up to the playoffs when you, when you have the four hockey games which you could have not shown one of those I don't know mm-hmm. just saying. So Kanji man, and, and, and you know speaking of uh, Kanji and Shep, <laughs> since I was at the game you know I watched the highlights when I got home and I just knew as I'm watching the highlight of the first goal. I'm like, the first thing Shep Messing is going to say is, you got to be kidding me. And he didn't let me down. He did not let me down when they showed that replay. Is, is anybody ever kidding him? I'm just curious at this point. Like Everyone is kidding that man. I know. So so is anybody ever actually playing him seriously? And, and how would he respond to that? Because that, that'd be a curious reaction to see. I think his mind would be blown. All right. Uh, Pat, you got anything else you want to add to this game before we uh, take a break? I could give it dislike, but, you know, come on, why take us down for such a high? So, I have no dislike. That's how good it was. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> All right. We're going to, uh, with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have on with us from the Filibuster Podcast and BlackAndRedUnited.com, Jason Anderson. So, we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. I came to get down, so get down to seat and jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Welcome back to the Rebel Ramp. We want to welcome onto the show 
from the Filibuster podcast and Black and Red United. Uh, we'll be referring to him as Evil Jason since uh, <laughs> we, we, can't have two, we can't have two Jasons on the show. Uh, Jason Anderson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. So because you guys do this to your guests on Filibuster, I have to ask you, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, unbelievably, <laughs> lamely, I'm drinking straight water. Um, not even like fancy filtered water, like water out of the tap. Um, I have some That's... good beers in the fridge, but uh, I was kind of running around and, and uh, somehow neglected my normal regime of drinking during any podcast. That's uh, a, little, it's a little sad, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I imagine I imagine that you need needed plenty of beer after, and I'll, I'm sorry to, to bring it up this way. I'm sorry, I guess you need plenty of beer after the uh, the two nothing loss at. Red Bull Arena in the first leg of the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals since MLS just can't call it the quarterfinals. But anyway, right? Because um, you know why do a silly thing like that and call things you know how they're supposed to be? But anyway, um, what, what was the general feeling among DC fans after that game? I, I know you guys brought up a lot of support uh, to Red Bull Arena, mm-hmm. and I think I saw an article on your on uh, Black and Red talking about you know the, the overall trip. But what was the feeling after the game was over? Um. There are a lot of uh, pessimists. Um, there are a lot of, uh, I mean, over the over the last few years, I think a lot of the newer generation of, of United fans have only really been in, you know, the last seven or eight years have mostly been disappointing. Um, so there's a lot of people who just assume that bad things are going to happen, and I think they got really loud, and the people from, I, I guess now I'm dating myself, my, my era from going back to the 90s who, uh, are still trying to reconcile the fact that not always uh, good things will happen. Um, are still thinking that, it, that you know the job can be done, but it's going to be very difficult. Um, so, so it's kind of a mix. Um, but definitely, um, no, I don't think there's anyone that is uh, overwhelmingly confident for the next leg. But there is a there's a path. It's a little bit like not quite threading the needle, but threading something akin to a needle. You, you know, you're you're talking to a fan base who is. Uh, I think we copyrighted the waiting for bad things to happen. I'm just going to say right. that. Um, but where where do you think the team went wrong on Sunday? What was you think the uh, the biggest reason why they couldn't score a goal? Uh, I would say a lot of it had to do with uh, some sloppiness in in passing. Um, not the the passing percentages really weren't that bad. I saw by comparison, uh, Seattle had like sixty something percent in Dallas in the first half. Um, I think D.C. And, and New York both finished in the mid to upper 70% range, which is pretty decent. Um, but I, I, it was really the timing of those passes. Um, United would connect three or four passes, and then the attempt to get into the attack would go wrong. Um, we saw Fabian Espindola trying to force things. Really, his first uh, his first involvement in the game was that uh, weird attempt to lob uh, Robles from, like, 45 yards and that kind of was an indicator of what kind of night he was going to have where he was trying to score a brilliant goal every single time he got the ball. Um, and that kind of trickled through a lot of the team. Um, it's never really ideal for United if Nick DeLeon is far and away our most effective attacking player, until at least until Chris Rolfe came in. Um, we need him to be more of a, a helper to the other guys rather than it being him doing the good stuff and them sort of looking at each other like, what, what's going on here? So... A lot of it just had to do with a bad night 
passing and an inability to cover that by just um, defending really hard and grinding out a 0-0. Zero, zero. You know, when you talk about a spindler, I kind of felt the same way with him that he, I don't know, it's just the, the feeling that, you know, he got such a kind of a raw deal with the Red Bulls last year, kind of got pushed out. I've never seen a sadder man take a picture uh, holding the supporter shield than the big group photo of the Red Bulls last year. Um, I felt that, and maybe you felt the same way, that he wanted to make that big goal to show the Red Bulls what they missed. There's probably something to that. Um, I, I know he's um, definitely an emotional player. We saw earlier this year um, he got uh, absolutely demolished by Felipe against Montreal right at kickoff. Um, it didn't get punished very harshly, and later uh, about 20 minutes went by, and rather than, I guess, wait for some sort of um, hockey-style uh, grinding uh, fourth-line guy retribution, he went and uh, got revenge by just kicking Felipe when the ball was out of bounds. Um and that's kind of, you know, that kind of emotional player is going to have reactions like this when he's playing his former team where maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself. But but I also think there was a mix of maybe him um, thinking that he had to carry the team, uh, especially with Luis Silva unavailable, with Pontius barely available. Um, I think maybe he's had this idea in the past couple of weeks where it's not necessarily going to go as well unless he uh, completely dominates every game and, and he needs to relax and realize that you know Eddie Johnson hasn't had a great season but he's he's still a guy with like 60 caps of the national team he's still a good player um De Leon can do a lot if you use him correctly uh Chris Pontius isn't at his sharpest but he's still a pretty good player uh, right now as is so uh, I think he just needs to overall relax and uh some of the other players might need to step it up and get really um amped up for this one he needs to actually like step down a little bit and, and not try and force everything and try and uh, um, get revenge and all, all the other things that might be swirling through his head. What are the chances, you mentioned it briefly, of Luis Silva playing in this weekend still, and do you think he's the key to uh, GC having a better offensive game against the Red Bulls? Uh, as far as his chances, I think I, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be fit to go more than uh, 20 minutes, maybe at the most. Um, he, we weren't expecting him to play any part of any game until we, we were thinking we were going to have to get to the the Eastern Conference final, and even then, it would be the second leg. Um, I was, you know, really actually kind of for once excited about this um, international break during the playoffs. I thought it would actually give Silva a chance to play a part in the playoffs. Um, and the fact that he's back at all, or that he's even training at all, is kind of a, a surprise. Um, and United has been, this season, they've taken a, a page out of uh, the New England Patriots book. Uh, they are being very secretive about injuries. Um, they didn't want to report Chris Rolfe's broken arm until it got broken on the Internet by, by uh, the, the Spanish language press. Um, and, and that's kind of how things have been going for them. So Silva being in training could be uh, just a complete smokescreen. Uh, it could be that he actually wasn't as injured or wasn't injured as badly as first indicated, and that could be the smokescreen. Um, but ultimately, I think if if the game is you know one nothing uh, in the 80th minute, Silva might get in. Um, if New York scores and DC has to go go get four goals, um, depending on what time that goal is, you might see him a little earlier. But I'm not sure he's going to have much gas uh, beyond. 20 minutes, maybe maybe in extra time, if, if, it, if it's a 2 nothing and it goes 2 extra time, he might come in then. Um, but it, as far as whether he's the key or not, I think they can get it done without him, um, but I do also think that it would be a lot easier. I think Espindolo would be more comfortable. Um, I think Silva 
brings something to the table that Olave and Sakaya are probably a little less comfortable with. Um, Johnson tends to want to post up a lot. That's his role with United. Um, and, and then play somebody off the ball and then run in behind. Uh, Silva just sort of floats around looking to fill the spaces that Spindola leaves him. So if Spindola, if, if he drifts out wide, Silva will get into the center forward channel, but he won't be there initially. He's a really strange sort of player. Um, and, and I think that could confuse uh, Olave, not so much Olave, but um, Zakaya especially, who I'm, I would be hoping to confuse. But uh, as far as my, my I, I guess if I had to give it a chance, chances of him playing, I would say it's probably 50-50 at best. Now, um, you know, we're, talk- we're talking about injuries here, and uh, Sean Franklin, you know, I guess it's kind of a big guy for your defense. He didn't play too much in the first leg. I, I think it was only like about like twenty minutes. Um, what about him and possibly coming back? Is he? And what kind of impact would that have on DC? I mean, I know you guys are going to need a little bit more offensive defense, but do you think having him come back in is going to be a bigger benefit to uh, the team? I, I I would say it's going to benefit at both ends. Um, Franklin is definitely our best fullback on either flank, and um, with the, with New York switch to the four two three one. Uh, really the theme of the game for New York was to get the ball wide and isolate the fullbacks, and then it's Lloyd Sam, who's excellent on the dribble, and Thierry Henry, who's Thierry Henry, uh, going one-on-one a lot, and that's not a good recipe. Um, and I feel like what we're going to see, and, and you know, Frank, Franklin looks like he's going to come back. All the indications out of practice are that he's going to be fine to start. Um, there, there won't be a reason to sub him out unless he gets injured in some other way. Um so what we'll see is he'll come in at right back, and then the real question mark for us has become, will Chris Gorb move to left back, or is Kemp going to um, keep that spot? Because it, it's a it's a tough question because Gorb is better one-on-one, and Kemp has really struggled when he gets isolated, and Lloyd Sam, that's what he wants to do all game long. Um, but on the other hand, Kemp is much better going forward. Corb is notorious for making the overlapping run and then not being able to um, put his cross anywhere near uh, anyone else on on United, Kemp is a very good crosser of the ball, and so it's a it's a tough decision for Olsen um, because on one hand you definitely they, they're going to need two goals at some point in the game, but on the other hand, if you give up one, that, that's pretty much game over. Speaking of Chris Corb, okay, do you believe he knows that when you look to the linesman to hey say hey he's offside me. Maybe you shouldn't be the guy keeping Pegue Luyendula onside. Uh, I think he he uh, he fell uh, prey to something that's uh, apparently very common in, uh, with MLS defenders, which is the um, glance at your, your linesman and put your arm up regardless of what's happening near nearby. Uh, I hate it. Hate it. it. It's it's not it's not a good look for any defender to be looking at the linesman with your arm up when the guy is clearly being kept onside. Um, and I also. Um, I do have to say I, I attribute part of that goal. Uh, and I, I wasn't at the game; I was watching it on TV. But uh, Dax McCarty popped up on the very edge of the frame of the camera, um, running across the defense, and I think he pulled Steve Birnbaum a little out of position, and that sort of caused the whole thing to crumble. And then you have uh, Corb in a position where he's saying, "You know, please bail me out uh, of this this potentially uh, terrible situation." So. I think uh, I would imagine that didn't go over well uh, in the tape review. Um, that's that's not the when they review the goal and you see yourself frozen on the screen with your arm up. Uh, that's not really a good place to be in, and I'm sure he got reamed out for it. And, and 
will, in this game, probably not put his arm up quite so so often, I would assume. Yeah, I, that's that's like one of the thing I think in the game that drives me crazy. And it's not even MLS, it's everywhere. The worst thing is every idiot looking, putting your arm up. That's not how the ref blows the whistle. That's just not how things work in soccer. I mean, I've had coaches, when I was growing up, I've, I've had coaches um, instruct defenders to always appeal to the linesman no matter what. Um regardless of what's going on, just put your arm up and then run after the guy. And it was like, well, but you can't really run efficiently with your arm up. And also, I mean, why don't you focus on doing your job rather than yelling at the ref? But I also yell at the ref and run around, so I guess I don't really have much of a room. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, you know, the second leg of this series is coming up uh, this Saturday, uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. What do you think... Uh, you know, aside from scoring goals, because obviously you need to do that to win. But uh, what do you th- what do you think DC needs to do in particular to take it, you know, to, to to score some goals and maybe even keep the Red Bulls off the board to you know have a hope of tying or clinching the series? I think a lot of it, and a lot of it with this series has always been like this, and it, a lot of it is going to be mental. Um, when when the Red Bulls start to feel confident, like they started to feel, you know, the first thirty minutes of the of the first leg. Um, the best scoring chance was when um, Olave whiffed on a clearance and, and Espindola was surprised by the ball and just couldn't turn his foot onto it. Um, and I think it, um, that's the sort of time in the match where you need to do something against a team that struggles for, for confidence sometimes. And, and, you know, vice versa, when the Red Bulls get confident, they're almost unstoppable. Um, so I think the early stages, not necessarily scoring then, but just being the team in charge of the game is going to be huge. Um, not getting too frustrated, not trying to chase the game in the first 10 minutes and win it. Or, you know, you can't score two goals in 10 minutes. That's likely not going to happen. Um, just being confident enough to know that there's a full game in front of you. Um, and tactically, a lot of it is going to be dictating whether the game is played out on the touchline or played more narrow. Um, New York played the game touchline to touchline last time, and that was how they got uh, Henri and Sam isolated so often. United doesn't really want to play that way. They would like to stay more compact. And if they can do that, all of a sudden central midfield doesn't get overwhelmed. Um, the numbers advantage kind of disappears. United has been doing that all year. Um, but, but it all comes down to whether the game is going to be played all the way out wide or, or if United can make the field sort of artificially narrow um, and keep both teams sort of playing in a, a phone booth, so to speak. Uh, let's move on with a little incident that we've been reading about. Um, with your front office and Bar Bravo, uh, what's what's going on there? Can you tell the listeners a little about the the I don't know. It's a big, I guess, hoopla about tickets going on over there. Uh, what I, what I understand is that uh, the Bar Bravo were not given the number of tickets that they had expected um, to be able to, to be allowed to sell, and their section their allotment of sections was um, cut. And I guess they just weren't expecting it. Um, the other supporters groups did not seem, I, I, I could be misinformed, but it seemed like all the other supporters groups got pretty much what they expected, and they were sort of like, yeah, our, our section might be smaller because they want to sell full-price tickets instead of supporter-price tickets uh, in those areas of, of the stadium. And I think maybe the bar was just caught off guard more than anything else. Um but uh, it, it kind of blew over. I haven't really seen any um, complaints after that first little um, blow-up when, it, when it, the day it initially happened. Um, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the bar, so I don't know ex- 
exactly what uh, yeah, the details are or, or whether it was just someone getting personally offended or um, if, if they just felt ambushed by it. I, I don't really know what's going on, but I know that the other supporters group seemed sort of like just as puzzled as everyone else. They're like, what's, what's the problem here? So it's a, it's a weird situation, but I don't know that it's a, a going to be a big deal anymore. Uh, and then on the opposite side of fans, the story is now, we'll see the real numbers come Saturday. Uh, they're talking about 1,200 Red Bulls fans coming down. Do you think 1,200 Red Bull fans are going to be able to sit in the upper deck without it collapsing? Uh, there was actually a um, Copa Centro Americana game where the uh, upper deck was open during the summer. And apparently during that game, um, it was El Salvador playing uh, Guatemala, I want to say. And during that game, the Guatemalan fans got so excited in the upper deck that uh, some of the people in the press booth were reporting um, actual uh, chunks of, of RFK falling on them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, there weren't large chunks. Uh, there was a large chunk that fell just outside the press box, though. Um, but that's that's the, uh, the upper deck uh, being opened. Normally, it's closed. Um, there's a... Uh, apparently staffing the upper bowl is actually more expensive than the the lower bowl so they've just shut it down completely uh, i don't I, I i don't know where um the away with that number of away supporters the normal away section is a small section um up, up under um, one of the overhangs behind one of the goals uh, i don't know if they plan on just selling the sections around that or if they plan on putting the red bull stands up up where they used to in the, the 400s um which our seats, I have, I have a fond memory of. I watched the World Cup in those seats, but uh, that was uh, back when the stadium was only, you know, uh, a couple hundred years old rather than the uh, half a half an eon or whatever it is now. Um, so, so I guess my advice would just be to wear uh, closed-toed shoes and uh, you know get your tetanus shots um, because there's a lot of rust on a lot of the uh, metal backings of the seats. That's not even a joke. That's, that's serious. There is a lot of rust on the seats. Yikes! Yikes! I'll be watching from from the safety of my job. So, the, the last thing we do with guests, especially when they're uh, new to our show, is what we like to call our top three. Uh, right. We ask you, we, we give you a topic, and we ask you for your top three on the topic. Doesn't really matter what it is; it's all up to you. So, in the spirit of the uh, Red Bulls and DC United meeting the playoffs, what are your? And it doesn't matter if it's to you personally or what you think the fan base says or whatever. What do you, what are your top three moments in Red Bulls DC United playoff history? All right, um, that's a good one. Uh, I have to say number three uh, would be um, now I'm getting my years messed up. It was the year that um, Altador scored and briefly New York uh, had the aggregate lead, and then Christian Gomez scored very late. What is that? Was that um, 2006? I want to say. I think it was 06. Yeah. Um, so, so that the moment when Gomez scored that goal, because that that United team was kind of drifting away. The season was kind of getting away from them right at the end, and it looked like New York was going to sort of confirm those suspicions. And then we, we still didn't go all. We lost in the next round, but uh, it was still a brief um, respite because it was such a late goal. Um, that uh, I, I remember I was uh, sitting on the aisle at RFK and I was running. I, I just found myself, like, I kind of blacked out, and I found myself running uh, in between seats and, and confused as to how I'd gotten there. Um, <laughs> number two, I'm going to go all the way back to the very first uh, playoff series in 96. 
um, at RFK when when the game when the game was won. Uh, it was won on a very late penalty kick, and uh, there were actually a few hundred fans actually stormed the field because RFK is sort of a semi-lawless uh, zone in DC, and you can storm the field apparently without anything going wrong. Um, and I remember being in the stands with with my dad. I was only uh, fourteen at the time, and I was like, "Can I can I get on that?" He's like, "Absolutely not." Uh, you're just gonna have to stand here and watch those guys who are inexplicably storming the field. You, you don't get to do that until you're in college. Um, <laughs> and then number one for for me personally is gonna have to be the the game that never was um, the snow game in 2012 that didn't actually ever take place. Um, I got on the bus uh, like like everyone else. I, I made the trip up there. Um, I actually had to go get a pair of boots because I realized I didn't have anything. Um, Cold, or that was going to be waterproof and uh, warm uh, to stand in the stadium for potentially a very long time. And uh, just, just the sort of bizarreness of that whole situation of being, you know, a few hundred people getting to the stadium because uh, Sandy had essentially shut down that entire region and it was harder for, in a lot of ways, it was harder for Red Bulls fans to get to the stadium than it had been for United fans. Um, it was just such a bizarre thing. And uh, after the after it was finally called off, after yelling at the people shuffling um, uh, for two hours, because there was only that was only, the only thing that could be done, um, all of the the entire squad from that day, as well as um, Victor Chang, who at the time was the sole owner of the club and is now one of one of three, um, they were all up. At, they made their way up to the second level at Red Bull Arena and were sort of mingling with the fans. And then it was sort of like, all right, well, time to go home in the middle of the night when you're exhausted and cold. Um, and it, it sort of became almost like a dream. So that that whole that whole experience from start to finish for me would be number one. That was definitely I think number four hundred and five for me because I had to drive home after that and it was just yeah. The worst. It was, yeah, uh, what, what, I know one of the not the bus that I wasn't on. Um, one of the buses that I I wasn't on um, was in an accident uh, on the way back from that game because and it was all because of the the conditions just being absurd. Oh, it's terrible. And and you know. We almost forgot. Do you have a prediction for Saturday? Uh, yeah, I just actually had to send it in for our own prediction uh, post. So, um, because I'm an eternal optimist, I think the game. I think this goes to penalties. I think we see two nothing at at after ninety minutes, um, and I think both goalkeepers will be making at least one, if not two, penalty kick saves. I know Robles is excellent on penalties, um, and Hamid has been playing out of his mind all year. So. I think this could be uh, one of the great goalkeeping duels of all time, um, and, and I think somewhere in there United gets, you know, maybe even we're talking like three converted penalties out of five being enough to win, um, but I, I'm still going to go with uh, United for, for the simple fact that I don't know any other any other way in this series to pick. It just history tells me that I have to pick this way, so I will until otherwise. Before we let you go, can you make us one promise? Sure. When you... When you guys get your new stadium at Buzzard Point, can you at least bring the raccoons? I'd hate to see some poor animals become homeless. Uh, RFK will be turned into a, a wildlife preserve um, so that all the animals of RFK uh, have a place to live that's their natural habitat. Uh, so the, the raccoons will eventually, I assume, take the stadium over entirely, and, and then it will really be, instead of semi-lawless, actually lawless. Excellent. All right, uh, but before uh, before we let you go, evil Jason, since uh, it has to be uh, evil Jason, um, where, where can where can our listeners find you and Black and Red United on the internet? 
All right, we are, um, the blog is at blackandredunited.com. Uh, our Twitter handle is uh, blackandredu. Um, and then I, if you want to hear me talk about soccer and probably like Kurt Russell from time to time, um, I'm at chestrockwell14. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know that I can even recommend him uh, following me. I, there are people that do, but I, I'm not sure what, what they're getting out of it. Um, but that's, that's it. I don't, I can't think of any other places that uh, oh, you can find me. The, the, fil- oh, the podcast. filibuster podcast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, about to forget one fourth of the answer. Um, our podcast, uh, our Twitter handle is um, filibuster. Uh, wait a minute, I've now forgotten it. <laughs> uh, filibuster DCU. I was about to say filibuster U. I knew that was wrong. Um, filibuster DCU, all one word, um, and that is. Uh, we do that every. We record on Monday, usually publish on Tuesday, and they go up on Black and Red United, just like all of our writing. All right, there you go. So, uh, Jason, I want to thank you for taking time out to uh, come on the show. Uh, you know, we'll see you. We Red Bulls will see you on uh, Saturday in DCN. I know one of us will go home a little sad, and I'm sorry to say, I hope it's you guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel the exact same way. All right, so, uh, Jason, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Once again, I want to thank uh, Jason for coming on the show. You can find his stuff, the Filibuster Podcast, at FilibusterDCU, Black and Red United, at Black and Red U on Twitter and then at blackandredunited.com for both. Uh, so, coming up on Saturday, <clears throat> this Saturday, September 8th, or sorry, November 8th, 2.30 p.m., taking on DC United in the return leg with a 2 nothing advantage uh, with the Awego rule. With the Awego rule. So, somebody apparently around Pat is really happy that the Red Bulls are 2 nothing up. It's New York. What do you expect? <laughs> I, I thought they were just like saying, "Hey, we 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 recognize you, Pat. You're a Red Bull rant guy, and we love the Red Bulls." But apparently not. It's true, my fan. <laughs> uh, well, first off, the game's go- yeah, the game's gonna be on NBC, and with the two nothing deficit and the away goal rule this year, the Red Bulls are in a really good position. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so, as we mentioned during our guest segment, I think you said Truman was 1,200 fans at the moment. That's, They're gonna be, uh, that's the last number I've heard. And, and I'm going to be one of those lucky 1,200, although I'm not going on the buses since uh, it doesn't make sense for me to spend the same amount of time driving to Red Bull Arena. I could just you know, drive to DCU. Anyway, um, I believe it's over 12 buses at this point that have, the fans are going to be coming down in, so that's going to be quite a show, seeing all those buses come in. Um so, before we get to predictions, I, for those that are unfamiliar with how Wiggles work, let me uh, take a quick second to explain. So, the Wiggles only come into effect if the score is tied at the end of... The aggregate score is tied. So, that means the leg one and leg two scores combined. So, for example, if DC scores three and holds the Red Bulls to none, it's 3-2 DC. DC advances. If DC doesn't... If the game ends 0-0, it's 2 nothing Red Bulls. Red Bulls advance. So, that means... That in the case of except a two-two tie, <clears throat> any other tie that results, so it's three-three, four-four, five-five, whatever you, the Red Bulls would advance automatically. No extra time, no penalty kicks, no nothing. So it's very important that the Red Bulls can, or sorry, it's if the Red Bulls can uh, manage to score a goal, it will greatly affect the outcome of the game, because basically that means that DC has to make up two goals for that one goal that they scored. So. 
let's uh, get into this with our predictions. Pat, you're up first. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Um, I, I think it's, it's going to be close, but I do think the Red Bulls are going to pull it out. Um, you know, I uh, thinking about it, I think it's more likely the Red Bulls get that one killer away goal, despite the fact that they have been shut out at RFK uh, this season, than the DC scoring three. Um, so, uh, and then the defense, <laughs> despite it being a problem all season, has been playing very well as of late. Uh, so I, I do think it's going to be 2-1, and that one miracle goal may come late. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I, I think uh, the Rebels are going to pull this one out, and with the away goal, they're just going to put it away. And we're going to be uh, cheering on against uh, hopefully not New England <laughs> uh, come uh, the uh, conference finals. Well, I've got some bad news for you in that <laughs> scenario. Yeah, uh, I, I don't get predictions in the playoffs. Come on, we all know that by now. But um, I, I smell a draw. That's that's just what I sense. Uh, some kind of draw, which of course again would be fantastic for New York. I also believe like the first, uh, I would say ten minutes of this game could dictate the, the entire thing because if DC scores within the first ten minutes, it's going to get fucking absolutely crazy uh, for another eighty. So I think I think that the Red Bulls can just hold it down for the first ten, kind of control the ball, um, and just go from there. I, I really like their chances. But if DC scores early, I'm, I'm definitely going to be I, as everyone else. We I'll be very very nervous. Uh, I believe that before the first leg, I said that the Red Bulls were going to win the first leg two to one, which of course I got wrong. But then we're going to go into DC and score two goals. That's not going to happen either. That's just. The, the way the Red Bulls are on the road, it's it's asking a lot to go into D.C. and do that. I think what we might end up seeing is a 2-1 loss for the Red Bulls, but because of that goal, it's going to be a Red Bulls victory in the series. So I, I'm predicting a loss, but it's going to be a close enough loss where the Red Bulls will still advance regardless of the result. And hopefully, like Pat said, we won't have to take on New England. You know, since Pat's on the main streets of New York City... Which of course is on to millions and millions of New York Red Bull fans. Yes. I think I think Pat should ask someone on the street what they think the score is going to be. <laughs> I, I, think that, uh, I think that needs to happen immediately. I don't know. I already saw someone who looked like Brad Guzan, and uh, he uh, he looked at me with hatred. So I don't know. I don't think it was actually Brad Guzan. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see if somebody looks like they want to be bothered. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be someone out there that wants that wants that they know the score. <laughs> oh man! And yes, uh, yes, this is actually happening. This is not a bit. <laughs> hey, dude, you got a prediction for the Red Bull game uh, against DC United on Saturday? <laughs> I think the guy was cheating. That, that's how horrible I feel. <laughs> oh, I, I, follow, I follow your PS side. I follow you. But, yeah, okay. But just pick any idea. So number. <laughs> oh. Is Cahill still on uh, the Red Bulls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd say Red Bulls 2-1. All right, cool. Yeah. Great. <laughs> there we go. First one on the street says 2-1 Red Bulls. Give that guy a high five. He even knew who Cahill was. I love it. Yeah, there you go. He said he followed European soccer more than MLS. That's all right. That's all right. We got what, You picked the perfect man. I love it. All right, great. Well, look at it this way. Uh, at least you found someone that likes soccer. I mean, it, it could have been worse, right? Oh, it could have been much worse. It could have been like, that's a that's a city sport, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you, people, uh, the sport is growing in this country. 
All right. Well, uh, so that's all we have on the agenda. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up before we get out of here? Uh, everyone be careful in your uh, 12 buses on the way to D.C. Uh, I'll be watching from work. So uh, I believe that's it. Uh, and I'm going to go drink the awkwardness of that interaction away at Jack Dempsey's. And I'm, I'm hoping to kind of be there before the buses to wel- welcome all of you with open arms, although nobody will know what I look like, so it doesn't really matter anyway. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm only like a Z-list celebrity, if <laughs> at all. Um, all right, so with that, you can visit Once a Metro at onceametro.com. You can visit our website, redbullrant.blogspot.com. You can email us at redbullrant at gmail.com, like uh, Clayton did earlier today. You can call us at 973-348-5329. Facebook.com slash Red Bull Rant on Twitter, at Red Bull Rant for the show. At Dr. Stoots for myself, at PMACD82 for Pat. At The Truman for Truman. You can scratch us with iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud.com. Sorry, I thought I thought Pat was getting another prediction for us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Me too. I thought that was going to happen. There. More predictions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash red hyphen bull hyphen rant. Last words before we wrap this one up. Win, 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 win. Yeah, win. All right. With that. For Pat, Truman, and myself, this was episode number 123 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, go Red Bulls. Fuck DC. Peace out. Late.